Part three of our discussion of the little book, Letters to Sarah, next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? This is part three and the final segment of our discussion of this little book entitled Letters to Sarah. And as we discuss portions of the book, we pray that women in polygamy will hear our comments and check out what the Bible says about everything. Please know that we're not mocking and we're not making fun of the painful life of being a plural wife, but we are treating polygamy as as God's word treats it. And we encourage you to judge polygamy according to the Bible, not according to Joseph Smith or your husband, your polygamous leader or other plural wives. The letters in this book are written by plural wives to potential plural wives to encourage them to enter into polygamy. We quote portions of some of the letters and then make our comments, bringing biblical truths to bear on what has been said and even point out illogical and contradictory statements. So we'll begin this last segment from page 87. 87. I received a testimony that the principle is true when I read a pamphlet on celestial plural marriage when I was 14 or 15, I think. The evidence is too undeniable that Joseph Smith and the prophets lived this way. I know that God lives the principle, and I put every hope in him that he loves each of his wives completely. There is no unfairness or favorites with him, and I believe that he is happy. Maybe that is simple, but that's probably the basis of my testimony. God lives this way. God is happy. God wants me to live this way. God wants me to be happy. Okay, mm-hmm. I couldn't resist bringing this part of it up. Yeah. Uh, and the several letters brought up the idea that God is a polygamist as well as Jesus Christ. Amazing. The woman uh, in this letter doesn't say how that pamphlet she read when she was uh, just a teenager, how it convinced her that it was a true principle. So we can't comment on the pamphlet itself, but we can comment on the fact that God says if any teaching isn't according to his word, there is no light in it. And polygamy is not according to God's word. Now, we have encouraged our polygamous viewers to find in the Bible any or every instance where God has specifically commanded anyone to enter into polygamy and where God has said that polygamy is a higher law and essential for eternal life or, as they call it, eternal exaltation. Now, a very critical heresy is in this particular letter and has been written in other letters as well, and that's the doctrine that early Mormons taught, and all Mormon polygamists believe it. She said, God lives this way, God is happy, so he wants her to live this way so she can be happy. A biblical chapter and verse reference supporting this statement would be nice. The thing is, the Bible doesn't say this. God is not married, neither is Jesus, neither was Jesus. They are not polygamists. The Bible does say, however, that our joy and our happiness and strength comes from the Lord and our relationship with Him. It never says our happiness comes through living polygamy or that we need to create our own happiness. The next statement. From page 99. I know that none of us are perfect, we all make mistakes, but I also know we are here on this journey through life to grow from the mistakes and become people God can use. 
I believe there is not a better way to come to this than living plural marriage. <laughs> yeah. Now, and again, this you, you hear this all the time. This is a general belief of all polygamists that makes them more Christ-like. Yeah. Now, of course, she can believe anything she wants to believe, but we really don't have the right to attribute to God what we believe unless it's accompanied by a direct biblical reference testifying that it is what God has said. Plural marriage is not the method that God uses for eternal life. Grace alone because of the cross, which brings repentance and forgiveness, is his method. As we quote this next scripture from God's word, please make note of every place that polygamy plays a part in our eternal life. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 actually through 12, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So where was polygamy mentioned That's in this? That's what I was looking for, and I didn't see it. You didn't any. see it while you were reading it? <laughs> no. Where does it say that works saves us in this passage? And, we're, and, and, and you know, the, the eternal exaltation that they talk about. Eternal life is a gift from God, given through His grace when we call upon His name by faith. All the pain and loneliness and jealousies and abuses that polygamist women suffer is totally in vain because only Jesus makes us Christ-like. Polygamy is never a method listed by which we are made into better people. Throughout this book, we find the same words and phrases describing polygamy over and over again. Here's a sample of some of them. And they work these words just so that it doesn't really, you know. So <laughs> the words are misery, heartache, we make our own happiness, suffering, joy and sorrows, fear, I was scared to death. I won't pretend it's not always easy, but it's not always hard either. It helps rid the filth from us and purifies us, etc. And so on and so on. Yeah. And, and you just read this over and over and over again. In these letters. In these letters. Polygamy yeah. does all that. How can it be a high and holy principle when it brings forth fruit like that? Can you really believe that the God of love would prescribe this way to salvation? Most of the letters place the husband of plural wives on a pedestal where he is to be catered to and forgiven hundreds of times and supported mentally, physically, and sexually by each wife and loved even more, especially when he's spending time with another wife. That's not God's revealed plan for marriage. Note the next comment of why this woman says polygamy works. Yeah, from page 116. It works because it has to work. It works because it's designed to work. It works because God said so. And it works because it fulfills the purpose of our creation to have joy and to learn love. <laughs> okay. Oh. First of all, it doesn't work. <laughs> Not no, very well, not very it doesn't. Well. 
Every single study and professional report on polygamy in the United States, as well as other countries, have concluded that polygamy is hazardous to the emotional well-being of women and children. Women are treated as merchandise rather than equal marriage partner. Both mental and physical health of women and children are at risk in polygamous communities. So really, it doesn't work. <laughs> now, the Bible records polygamous families, and each one records them as being dysfunctional, with jealousies, pain, tears, and competitive. In David's family, sexual assaults took place, just like they do in modern polygamy. God did not say polygamy was designed to work. And then she says in this letter that it fulfills the purpose of our creation, so we can have joy and learn love. They have placed polygamy in the place of God. Let's test that last statement by the scriptures. Yeah, there's several scriptures here. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isaiah 12.2 and 3, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. 1 John 4, 8 and 10 and 18 and 19. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. So they've replaced polygamy with God's love yeah. in, in these letters. Learning to love is not a result of polygamy. Verse 19 tells us we love because God loved us first, not because of polygamy or sister wives. God is love. God instituted and blessed monogamy, not polygamy. Now, many will come back with the rebuttal that the problems that we have focused on in polygamy also happen in monogamy, mm -hmm. and many of them do. But we're not talking about monogamy. We're talking about polygamy. And also, many of the problems found in polygamy are rarely evident in monogamy. But most importantly, the polygamists claim that this is a high and holy principle to be lived by God's people. But God's people are not supposed to cheat and lie and rape their daughters and commit food stamp fraud and snub their collective noses at the government. These problems should not exist with God's people, or at the least less often and with less frequency. The awful behavior of polygamists cannot be supporting evidence that they are God's holy people. Sadly, to back up their doctrine, they misquote scripture from the Bible, the same Bible they don't even trust. I found this next letter sadly humorous. Yeah, pages 103 and 4. Speaking of equality, don't you just wish everyone would quit trying to be equal in misery? It's kind of embarrassing. Everybody's vying for the purple heart. What's with all these raised eyebrows and pursed lips about who's been the most wounded by the principle? Every one of us wives really does sacrifice the same thing on the day the principle begins. Which sacrifice is this? Having a husband who sleeps only with you, who loves only you, who comes home to only you, who needs only you, who listens only to you. If you don't want a man who will someday have another woman, why then go shop 
elsewhere or where else applies to all of us, number be hanged. <laughs> so she, she's a little tough there yeah. on, on about this, right. but we get what she's trying to say. Now, I've actually witnessed plural families that seem to be competing to be known as the most miserable. Really? And suffering more deeply for polygamy than does other persons more in that group. Huh? Mm -hmm. My mother was one of them. Okay. Now, because they believe that the more miserable their sufferings are here, greater will be oh. their exaltation and they, they will receive a, a better reward when they face God. Now, my mother was one of those, and she seemed to invite and embrace the misery so she could get the best prize in heaven. But because they believe it doesn't make it true. Now, Jesus said that in this world we would have troubles. And then he said, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. He didn't say that in polygamy we have overcome the world. Since trouble is part of this world and it is guaranteed that everyone will have their share of troubles, why invite more? That's what polygamy does. It just invites more troubles, misery, and frustrations than anyone would otherwise have. Then in that letter, the writer seems to mock any plural wife who would like her husband to love only her, the very thing that God instituted. Of course, it's impossible in a polygamous marriage. It's an admission that polygamy does not supply the deep emotional fulfillment that God intended between a man and his wife and can only happen in monogamy. And despite what plural wives say, it is not wrong to want your husband's exclusive love, his special confidence, a husband who will sleep only with you. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. Our next letter. Yep, page 125. Many of the best people I know are people that have gone through the hardest things. Much of the time I hear, why would God make us do these hard things? Why does God want us to suffer? To that I say, because we must experience all things, so that when it is our turn to be a God, we will know how to guide, create, counsel, and comfort our own children and husband. We are just practicing here. Not only that, but who says it's so hard? <laughs> Again, they just don't feel their feelings. You know, They put them aside and put them away and bury them very deeply. Yeah. <clears throat> and we don't deny that going through difficult times can produce better character and a deeper strength in some people. But the question that she asked is valid. Perhaps a better question to ask, however, is, is it God that makes you do all these hard things in polygamy? Check out what God's will is. Find places in the New Testament that expressly, specifically tells us what God's will is and where polygamy is part of it. Now, I have a list. I did this quite a while ago where it says God's will. It's not fully comprehensive, but it's got quite a few places in the New Testament where God's will is mentioned for us. And I will send you a copy. You can just email me at whatloveisthis.tv, and I'll be happy to send you a copy of that. But the answer that she gave is a clue to how unbiblical the polygamous doctrine is at its foundational level. She said, when it's our turn to be a God, we will know how to do certain things. Again, where in the Bible are we informed that we will or even can be a God? 
please find a chapter and a verse, a passage, a teaching, anything that gives evidence that man can become a god. Now, we have a passage from Isaiah we want to share with you about this. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. I hope that our viewers really get what this is saying. Yeah. Lucifer tried to exalt himself to the level of being like God. And God cast him from heaven with the promise of eventually being brought down to hell. <laughs> do you really want to suffer the same fate for trying to do the same thing that Lucifer did? We do plead with each polygamist, study up on what you believe and why you believe it and where it comes from. If the source isn't exclusively the Bible, you're trusting the arm of flesh and the words of man for your eternal life rather than the God of the Bible. The next letter is found on the final two pages of the book. Ironically, it's written from an Abraham yeah, and that. is written to every Sarah, obviously from a man who married many polygamous wives, giving advice to potential plural wives. And I'm sure that he's meaning by experience, you yeah, need to listen to me. He knows. <laughs> to every Sarah, <clears throat> you know what would help and what nearly every man says he wishes his wives knew about him? This is it. I wish my first wife understood that I was trustworthy and wouldn't do anything to hurt her. And I wish that my other wives understood that in a man's thinking, they are just as important as the first. In reality, all wives are plural. Yeah, and they are. The first wife is as plural as the second and third are. But are they as important as the first? Well, that's just it. You know, <laughs> there has to be favorites and there are favorites. I imagine. And, of course, we never want to downplay the hurt that anyone suffers in polygamy, sure. male or female. And there are many men, by the way, who do take plural wives. And they would rather just be a monogamous. They don't want to put up with all of this stuff, <laughs> you know. But they do it because they believe that God expects him to. Yeah. And many of them are not too happy to comply. But... Most of the men, and especially the men in each polygamy group that can boast a particular imperial and holy bloodline, they are the abusers. They are the ones with the many wives. They are the manipulators, the ones who neglect their wives and keep them in poverty. I could name a lot of them right now by first name. Of course, I won't, but they are there. So this letter from Abraham to every Sarah is a soft brainwashing, mind-controlling technique to appeal to her emotions and keep her thinking in line. Next quote from the Abraham. Why is this principle, <clears throat> why is the principle important? Because it's God's law. I love him because of the opportunity he gave me to live the same law that he lives. I love the principle because I know if it's lived properly, it will help me become more Christ-like. It brings my body into harmony with the spirit. It's strange, strange. Now, he said he loves God because God gave him the opportunity to live polygamy. 
But John tells us we love God because he first loved us. So again, they put polygamy in the place of God. They do do it subtly, and sometimes they do it very openly, but it's always there. We've spent three programs now, that's an hour and a half, explaining and showing through the Bible that the principle of polygamy is not God's law. And even if it was, we are not allowed into heaven because we obeyed the law, but only and exclusively because of God's grace and mercy. According to John 6, 29, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and Titus 3, 5 through 6, and many, 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 many (laughs) more passages, it's clear. We're saved by grace and not by works. Polygamists talk about becoming more like Jesus because of polygamy, but don't forget, there Jesus is Lucifer's brother. And polygamy can make no one more like the biblical Jesus. We quote from 2 Corinthians. Yeah, chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. We, I'm sorry, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Notice polygamy is not part of any of this. Now, the Old Testament or the Old Covenant that they're talking about in this is the Old Testament law. And that happens, and, and when the veil is removed or taken out of the way, uh, happens the, the, the old covenant. Um, I got confused here in what I'm saying. The old <laughs> covenant is removed in Christ, and the veil is taken away from our heart only, removed out of the way when we trust Jesus. Yeah. Only then is it even removed. until, And so until that happens in a person's life, a veil covers their heart and, and only in Jesus is it removed, not only in polygamy. Now, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, brings freedom, freedom from every law that any man can devise. And our transformation into Christ-likeness is a gift from God which verse 18 clearly informs us. There is no mention in all of Scripture that polygamy helps us be more like Jesus. It just isn't there. It's a work of the Holy Spirit who begins working with us in our sanctification the moment that we trust Jesus alone for salvation. And finally, the last excerpt from this letter to every Sarah If you, Sarah, learn to love that law with all your heart and live it the way God lives it, and if you are open and ask for God's help, the principle would teach you how to be like him. And one of the most beautiful things about the principle is that if we strive to live it with all our hearts, the example we set for our children will bring them closer to Heavenly Father, and then they will want to live all of his holy laws. So again, polygamy is the driving force in all of it. But Jesus taught us that the highest and greatest commandment was to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, 
mind, soul, and strength. No mention of loving polygamy with all of our heart, like he said. No mention that plural marriage is part of a higher law. And Jesus said the second highest law is to love our neighbor. And if polygamists love their neighbor, they wouldn't marry their neighbor's husband. <laughs> and finally, we want to end with some very clear verses from the New Testament. We begin with Titus chapter 1, verse 6. An elder, and this would be in the church, the true church, an elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife. 1 Timothy 3.12, a deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and household well. So the leaders of the church yeah. could not be polygamists. And Luke 16.18, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And 1 Corinthians 7.2 and 3, but since there is so much immorality, each man sh should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. Notice all of this is singular, not plural. God has no favorites and God established and blessed monogamy, not polygamy. So that's our three-part series on the letters to Sarah. <clears throat> You know, in all these scriptures, there's no, I mean, all this polygamy is, is such a sexual, has such a sexual undertone that's not really, they didn't even address some, some of this in the letters, you know, talk about jealousy and hurt mm -hmm. and all that, but, mm -hmm. but uh, it just has such a sexual element to it. It is, for very, the much men, so. very much so, very much so, yeah, yeah. And they've done that, they've, <clears throat> they've done that with God and Jesus, they've made them plural married, they've made them polygamous. And so they put sexuality onto them. Yes, And true. then they even, uh, the early Mormon polygamists even had God coming down and having sex with Mary to produce Jesus. Oh, sure. And, yeah. and again, that's not only just sex, it's incest, yeah. which we've talked about before. <clears throat> but there, it's just all has that sexual under, like you said, it very does. much so. And it's sad, so sad, when the only thing we need is Jesus Christ and Jesus is enough. Yeah. We don't need anything else. So thanks again, Earl. I know this has been it's, it's, it's very hard to get through some of it, but yeah. I think it's important for us to deal with these hard issues as well. <clears throat> you know, we have heard most of the arguments that polygamists use to defend their belief. And yes, we do understand that we in this country, we do have the right to believe however we want to. But just because we believe something doesn't make it right and isn't evidence that it's God's truth. In fact, God's testimony about humans is that God himself is true and every man is a liar. So who is lying to whom? Jesus is the truth, John 14, 6. And Jesus said the devil cannot tell the truth, John 8, 44. Well, there's only one truth, and it is the testimony that God has given us and is found only in his word. Read it, study it, discover its beauty and truth, and you can be set free from the pain of polygamy and from a lot of other things, too. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. 
If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.